Hi guys, welcome back to A Different Life Story, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Another fantastic day, another beautiful interview. And I've got Lisa David Olson with me. Lisa is a woman who, like all of my guests, has gone through her own trials and tribulations. And she has discovered the power of the most beautiful mind and state altering technique that there can be. Now, I don't mean to sit um, on the highest mountain, no, to have a damn good love about yourself. Lisa is, amongst other things, a comedian and has been in this beautiful profession for, for many years. So here we have got a, another uh, uh, depression prevention specialist. And I'm so honored to have Lisa on my show. Good morning to you. Hello. I'm so happy to finally meet you. We've been chatting for a bit. This is exciting. Thank you for honoring your time. And I'm so happy to be here. Brilliant. Oh, Lisa. Now, and there is, the world seems to need a good laugh. And, and we all, I think, need to, to learn again to love ourselves and to laugh about ourselves. Uh, and don't take us too serious because the world is knee deep in, in shit at the moment and I can't see it getting better. So Lisa, it's so, so important that we bring you on and, and see how you, how, how comedy and laughter really saved your life. But when you were a young girl, you didn't really think oh, I grow up, I'm going to be a comedian. Or were you a girl that was at the age of five giving shows in front of her mom and dad? <laughs> yes, I was. Oh, but I didn't yeah. know that it would become my business. You know, <laughs> I, I had my own radio station in my bedroom and I did become a DJ and I, I did put on shows. I had sold out crowds. I mean, I don't mean to brag first thing opening in your show, but I had sold out crowds and I was doing very much like the Carol Burnett show, which is my favorite sketch comedy, song parodies, all the things. And it was sold out and standing room only encores, standing ovations, the works. It was all my Barbies, but an audience is an audience. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, sure that when they clapped, it was hard because, you know, <laughs> arms, but it doesn't matter because I really did find imagination at an early age because we didn't walk around with little hand computers, with mm. our face, you know, with the bad necks and the, mm. all the things. So we, we had imagination and play and exploring and being creative. And it's that which I share with businesses today. All that I've learned from performing mm. transforms into the business life, entrepreneurs, you need to launch a book during a quarantine time and you can't get together, let's talk, let's play new ideas and that kind of thing. So it's really in a childlike mentality, but it works, it works. So if you stop just Googling every dang thing and try and figure it out, you're gonna come up with a new thing. Now that's a really cool thing. And I 100% agree with you. The problem with being such a creative person at a very early stage, you then end up going through school. And I don't know about your school, um, but certainly in my school, creativity was not really high up on the list. Um, it was all, no, 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 grades, and you need to learn that, you need to be able to regurgitate that, and free thought and, and, and creativity and, and constructive criticism, things like that, were at certainly in my in my school in Germany, not high on the list. So did they try to beat the creativity out of you? Um, yeah, and I see Yeah, I can't say there. that that's their goal. I can't see that, say that they sat in the teacher lounge smoking and eating brownies and saying, oh, let's squash all the creativity. <laughs> Evil mm. laugh. Mm. But when we're young, we belly laugh. Here's a made up stat. 132 times a day. Truly belly laugh. Everything is funny. And as we get older and older and older, as adults, we might belly laugh two to four times a day. That's really sad. 
because it's free. It's healthy. It raises endorphins. It lowers anxiety. It lowers blood pressure. It demands your focus. Finding something funny demands your full attention. That's a kind of a wild thought. It's as wild of a thought as saying you um, can't blink when you sneeze or you can't hold your eyes open. Now you're going to think about that. But when you're young and you're at school, they say, all right, all right, Billy, what is, what is two? What does two look like? And, you know, a little kid, oh, it's rabbit ears or it's peace or, you know, it's a tunnel and I'm going through. And then as you get older, no, two is a number and two is this way. This is two. This is two. And they're not doing it in a mean way, but that's what schooling and structure and silos can do. She mm -hmm. has to have you say it's two. It's a number or she can't check my mark. That's my passion is just that mm. creativity is lost just because that's the way we've always done it. Mm. So we keep teaching this way. Mm. And I think that's really, really important. I, I can very much relate to that. My children were schooled uh, in a Christian school. Now, I'm very secular, so initially that was quite an issue for me. But as it turned out, once I met the principal, once I met the, the teachers, I realized that that the values and the, the way of teaching in there was such a beautiful, beautiful thing. So there was creativity was very high up on the list and they created very strong souls. They, they taught them. That's absolutely cool. And then, and my youngest, especially he, he took to that. He ended up having a cup, in everything from science to name it. The only thing he didn't get right was his speeches because he never put the, the, the time really in. But I, I, apart from that, he had a cup, a, 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 he was a top dog in a disco. Then he transferred after year eight or year nine, he transferred to a normal school where creativity was not higher, but it was actually the standard bang, 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 bang. This is what you need to know. From up there, down wow. there. Yeah. The um, rigid way and to switch at that age is difficult no matter what. Exactly. That exactly. was a challenge. But it was so beautiful. And to this day, he and, and we as a family have still strong links with, um, with the, the teachers from that school. And in whilst I could not even name one teacher from any of the other schools that that then went on. So it's quite intriguing, isn't it? When we look yes. at at young pupils and young men and young women mm -hmm. uh, in a different light and let them grow up in their creativity, yet instill beautiful values and knowledge into them. So here you go. So we we both are uh, we we are singing from the same song sheet here. But it gives it, me two thoughts which is there are those schools that are are more into creativity like Montessori schools or what they call stem schools and it is more about life skills and not just you know what all the levels of algebra and I'm not putting it down hmm. yet what you just said mattered and now let's think about all the parents big respect to those that had to do the full-time job and make sure their kids are are schooling online what is this group going to look like because of that disruption. It, it could be great. It really could be great going mm. forward. School will never be the same after this. Mm. Mm. So true, so true. The problem is of course, at the same token, the quarantine brings out not just the best, but also the worst in us. Uh, if you look at the amount of uh, family harm and domestic abuse, which has gone skyrocketing, the amount of alcohol abuse, the, uh, all the, 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 the not nice ways of coping with stress and distress, we see that more and more, certainly, well, in, in all countries around the world. So who knows what this, this pandemic has unleashed, but you're quite right. We will never be, never be the same society no. uh, again. There is no two ways around that, and therefore lots it's of a, divorces and lots of babies. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about this social distancing. Yeah, about that. <laughs> yeah, stuck at home. Lot, like lots of why in the hell am I still married to you? And lots of oh, we're pregnant again. Exactly. Yeah. My friend just had a. I call it a COVID kid. She just had a really cute baby. Like, oh, a COVID kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. 
<laughs> as long as we don't start calling them like that, as in COVID nineteen. Here, well, you you can imagine it's cool, you know. As, <laughs> COVID, raise your COVID. hand, four hands up. <laughs> oh, shit. Exactly. No, 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 no. But you're right, that belly love, that is often so missing. And in my job, I'm an anesthetist, so I work, we work, you know, in, in quite in quite often adrenaline-driven and, and very focused, focused scenarios because we want to do 100% right by the patient when we're yeah, in the middle of nice. the operation. Yeah, exactly. Most I like patients, that percentage. Exactly. Me exactly. <laughs> but at the same token, you, you, you can't do that over the whole day. And as right. it so turns out in, in a private setting in which I work, um, most of us are the same age group, uh, more or less mm. like us. And we have learned to not take ourselves too serious. And I... I'm so pleased that I can say that I beat your statistic. It's yes. not four belly nice. notes. No, we will make sure that there are maybe 40 or 50 a day and and often very bad gallows humor. So that's- It has to and, be. That's exactly. a, that's a, that is huge. And when people say, oh, I've got a really dark sense of humor, but you know what? At work, you know your click and you have to let that out or- what kind of uh, person are you if you're carrying that around and you have no release? Uh -huh. Because by making that joke in private, in your circle, you are releasing tension. You are connecting through humor. So you're bonding in a team. And you're also having that ripple effect to the next person you serve. I work with police officers in the day. I'm dispatching records in the day. You can bet there's a lot of humor. <laughs> and in fact, I love pranks. And so I do prank the cops and my husband advises against that but you know what i said if it's my time to go it's my time to go <laughs> what a great story yeah <laughs> she got tased to death i mean that's a great story everybody wants their legacy well, exactly. i don't want to get hit at the grocery store in the parking lot boring <laughs> tase me because i was pranking you and i jumped out from underneath the desk that's a good story but anyway the jokes at work that you know you wouldn't share with the public and you share this laugh and this, like I said, it it, it brings you together as a team when you mm. share in humor and you release, then you go to answer the phone or you go to serve someone who's in distress. Mm. You're not bringing them in on that joke, but your joy is mm. contagious and you're easier to deal with and you're easier to diffuse that situation or help calm somebody who's got some sort of a complaint in your situation you guys are putting in long long hours dealing with family worries and the patient has the same it's every single patient has the same question that you have to deal with but you have to act like that's this person asking for the first time but you've just answered that 40 times today already <laughs> if you're joyous you're going to be calmer and take the time oh, give them yes. your attention Hell yes. I mean, and when they're alert, not when you put them out. <laughs> they shouldn't be talking. Otherwise, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> yep, 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 yep. That's the, the famous story. Um, my granddad always said um, that um, the, you should always leave uh, your audience uh, wanting more. Um, great guy, shit anesthetist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyhow bad bad so i woke up during my colonoscopy by the way yeah but the colonoscopies that's the problem they're doing sedation and depending upon where you are in this world some people probably sadists who made that rule <laughs> if you give more than five milligram of midazolam to a patient then this is a critical incident amongst the surgeons and you think what this is, I don't even start with five milligram of midazolam as an anesthetist because I don't want them to remember that. I right. want them to be snoozy ass. I want yes. them to have a laugh on their, uh, on their face because we've right. joked around. And then the next thing I want them to wake up and say, but no, you haven't done it. No, I don't believe uh you. That's, right. that's that's what I do. That's what the anesthetist does. So there is. So I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm not surprised to hear that. Um, right, right. Oh, no, it, there was no trauma. I just, I asked for wallet-sized pictures. I thought that was awesome to look at the inside of my own belly. <laughs> it is actually. Thank you. Thank you. I thought you. that was awesome. 
Who gets to see their own guts? Exactly. Uh, and and you can say, I've got guts. Okay. You That's have right. seen it. <laughs> there you Medically go. Medically proven. <laughs> <laughs> but coming back to the humor, it is, and, and you were saying uh, the, amongst the team, so there is very much the role of an of a debrief, of a release of tension, of all these kind of things. But I think it is the same when it comes to patients or when it comes to, to people in distress. And you have to be really, really good in that. And you have to, to gauge every situation in the right way. But it's not uncommon. I would say uh, the majority of cases is where I use humor to de-escalate a situation and patients who are white knuckling who are shit scared and you see the, the petrified look um, right it, as an anesthetist i work with technicians so we have got one technician per case per 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 anesthetist so we're double team and i've got um most of my people, we are really, really good in comedy. And one guy in particular, when we come on, we, we should be on stage for crying out loud because nice. we can play it perfectly. There is this perfect synchronicity. And one of us starts off and the other one just follows suit. And it's <laughs> it's like a good tennis game. Bang, 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 bang. And the patient is in between us and just laughs their head off. And it's just anything. But but we are we are... We are that age group where we can still take the mick out of those things that are now increasingly considered uh, impossible to talk about, from a religion to sexuality to gay to, I mean, we do a, a gay routine between the two of us, and it is <laughs> our patients are, are pissing themselves. And this is not to put anyone gay in any any right. thing. It is It is simply going over the top and in such a way that it's it's still okay but for the patient to just think oh my god what numb nuts and break the eyes break the routine break their 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 distress and yes. there's and everyone loves it so plus the, you know your your audience by the time you've had a couple of sentences and they're nervous they're going to say something that kind of tells you mm. their stature mm. or something you test the waters and you know exactly. your audience exactly exactly right yeah so i think that's great and when you work together like that you do have a routine you are absolutely right <laughs> for me it's my chief and i the chief uh, right he is oh my gosh he scared me so bad yesterday and he acts like he's not trying to but he was around the corner and i'm so bad about being scared but i almost spit out i was drinking water and i had this i walked around and there he stood and i jumped and then then did that like what would have even happened for one i'm not gonna hurt the man he's solid for two this by the time i had this i would have been on the ground it's just ridiculous my reactions are horrible and in my <laughs> 20s i got my black belt that doesn't mean anything for me it just means i made it through the test it doesn't mean i have lightning reflexes like the pink panther movies <laughs> a pink but panther, when you about get that routine together what's so fun like for you and your tech guy who who you said you have this routine when somebody else comes in, you can you can reuse your same stuff and you mm. can count on each other to fill it in. And that's what you're doing. But you are including someone else in on the fun. And that's mm. what proper humor does. Mm. It includes others in on it. We all have those jokes that are like, oh, remember that time we went to the store and you know the ketchup bottle dropped? And then you and I can make a ketchup joke at any time and it's funny, but no one else gets it. Mm. But when you're including other people, they have that experience. You calmed them down, you included them in on the fun, and then everybody got to share the joy later. Mm -hmm. It's just, that's what it's supposed to be. Indeed. And if you I look, think. I, I couldn't agree more, couldn't agree more. And the cool thing is, if you actually look at it from a doctor's point of view, from a physiology point of view, what do you do when you laugh? You take a really deep breath. Well, if you look at any bloody breathing techniques that is calming you down, I bet it includes taking a damn good breath yes. and going out. Yes. That's exactly what you do. <laughs> it's exact. Right. So here you go. You are doing mindfulness because you're now living in the moment uh, because mm -hmm. you're focusing on this hilarious or so stupid joke that it makes you laugh. Uh, and it is so beautiful. So humor, please. It is so important. And yes. 
And the, the reason I say that is I can pull it off. Uh, I have lost my inhibitions and, and I, I, I can do that showmanship while some of my colleagues are. Yes, and, which also can be funny. <laughs> oh, please, please. Yes. But or how about the person who doesn't get it and you have to explain it? Oh dear! Oh dear! Oh dear! Oh dear! No, I guess <laughs> I guess the point is that that uh, some of the my colleagues who are absolutely by the letter and who really have that stick, sort of yes, well that's yes. to well that's to their spine. Um, they well, I call them the branch manager because the they got the stick <laughs> way up in there, and <laughs> they they often enough end up in trouble with the patients. They often enough, they are typically high, high quality. They are typically up there in their knowledge, in their skills, etc. Yet it's the breakdown in communication. It's the not being the human person. So therefore yeah. to be able to love about yourself, that's mm -hmm. uh, one of the biggest skills you guys can learn out there. Don't take yourself so bloody serious. And right. mean it when you when you when you get caught with your trousers around the ankles. Okay, if you're <laughs> right. if you are in, if that happens, do a little jingle, do a little <laughs> little dance. Okay, this I is me in my that. That's all right. This is me in my underwear. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's beautiful. That's beautiful. But again, Linda, we are we are people who have gone through hell and back and mm -hmm. typically that gives you then the insights and allows you the freedom to release your creativity to to not give yourself too much grief and you might not get it always right not all jokes right. make everyone laugh etc nope. nope. and one way you described yourself uh, prior to the show was as the embarrassing mum. So obviously, obviously, not everyone likes your jokes. That's <laughs> how right. Do you, how do you deal with criticism? How do you deal with the with the moment that you you try to make a joke and it completely plummets like a rock into the ocean? Like any good stand-up comic, you blame the room. You just say, well, you guys aren't smart enough. No, I've seen comics do that. No, I don't do that. But no. I've seen comics do that. I've, I've hosted enough comedy where I've seen most everything. Right. And they're like, well, Missouri got these jokes. What's wrong with you guys? You know, oh, no. lose a room. No. audience feel smart. And whether you're on social media or in a room live or at work, make your audience feel smart. That's a secret tip from me to you. And you will get that likability. If they like you, they want you to do well. So for 20 years, I've run and performed in a sketch improvisation song parody troupe and done a little bit of stand-up comedy on the side. I've opened for some pretty big names that I'm proud of and done some good things. And it doesn't all happen. So what you do is you keep going. Because if you call attention to that drop, and yeah, then, then the whole room gets sucked in. But in improvisation, when I ask the room, give me a place where two people might meet, give me an unlikely sporting event, give me an animal. And I put some things together and create a scene. They are part of it. And it's beautiful because they don't have to get up out of their seat. They don't have to be in the spotlight. They don't have to think of anything else. They shouted out eyelash curler and it made the scene. They're in it. And therefore, they want you to do well because they're vested in it now. Mm -hmm. That's something that I didn't catch right away. It took me many years to go, they're, they're part of this. I knew they were part of it, but they're part of this. So now we all want this scene to work out. And that also transfers over to your business conversations, mm -hmm. your, your podcasts, your calls about anything for you. Coach, there's a lot of coaches out there, many, many different kinds of coaching. Once you figure out how to include everybody and not just tell them what they're doing, they're vested in it all being a good outcome. So true. So, so if so I bomb, I bomb and I eat it, but I don't draw a bunch of attention mm -hmm. to it. I just mm -hmm. think, hmm, how could that go better? And every audience is different. Don't, don't beat yourself up too hard. Just keep going. <laughs>
You ever be at, are you ever at work and maybe you were texting your husband or your wife and, and you, you finish the text, love you. And then you're on this call and you're like, yep, love you. And you just said that to some client or your dentist or something. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Done that. Done that. Sign exactly. your emails. Love you. <laughs> like, and you once you come to my office, <laughs> want to die. <laughs> Being there. Done that. Yeah. My, um, multitasking is doing two things at the same time badly. <laughs> Ooh, ouch. I'm a master in that. I can tell you. I can tell you. I think that is such an important bit, but not but. There is, I'm, I'm, uh, I went to a course on real estate investing. And this, uh, the gentleman was a very vivacious Canadian, uh, Canadian who was bouncing around up there, a really cool dude. And he, uh, in a quiet moment, uh, he said that he did his show, his, his, his course in Germany. And there he was, come on boys, give me a yes if you want to make money. Silence. Cricket. <laughs> That's right, tumbleweed going through. And the whole audience was like that. And he and, and, and we are talking about a whole weekend, basically. So he was he was he was giving it all and he was he was nearly performing Harakiri. I mean he is for crying out loud. And then when it came to the cell, and, and he said, okay, now that you know what we're doing here, who would like to be part of that? You know, simplified. And half of the, the, the group came back forward. Here, here, here's my credit card. And he was gobsmacked. It was one of his best sell kind of weekends. And he he asked them later over dinner, guys, I I couldn't get I couldn't get any reaction out of you. And they said, quite cool, you know, you know, you have to convince us that you're that you're worth it, kind of a thing. So expectations of your audience wow. can be very, very different. But for him, I can just I can just feel his frustration. One joke after the other, zero response. <laughs> but, that would hurt. That would just hurt my gut. <laughs> I know. I just, him re reliving that story when he told it to me, I saw his eyes break. This kind of, this kind of soul destroying experience. But guess what guys? Soul destroying experiences are there every day <laughs> right. and i think the it's it's that old old adage that you're only a failure if you stay down uh get beaten down eight times you get up nine times right and that is so important that is so important it doesn't mean to say that you have failed it just means your approach maybe in this particular setting was maybe not so successful Okay, or it was successful, you just haven't realized it yet. So it's so important to to never, never, never give up. And what if you don't look at it as a big failure, but you look at it as, well, that's going to make a great story. Because <laughs> it did. <laughs> it made a great story. Touché. Hell yes. Hell yes. So coming back to you, though, so here you were, this bouncy, vivacious show host with your Barbies. Um, then school came along. <laughs> And um, at some stage, once you're in the, in the last years of school, you will get more focused. And comedy probably did not play such a big role there. Um, how did the story continue? I mean, is there, uh, did you soon get back to performing or did your life take a detour? Actually, there's a reason I had escape as humor being that for me. There's a reason humor was an escape is I grew up in a traumatic home. My mother was a raging alcoholic who was a functioning alcoholic. She rarely missed work and she would feign being ill for attention. So I know that she was self-medicating. Now I know as an adult that she was self-medicating to, to cover up mental issues. I mean, it, it, it just wasn't right. And so there are days she might faint in front of us, myself and my three siblings. It, it happened so often that I'm not proud to say, but I was a kid. We walked around her because we knew that's what mom does. And she had an old thermometer with mercury. And I caught her when I came around the corner, she was holding it on the light bulb to feign like she had a, a fever. 
she would beat us with a belt, with a brush, with a ruler, I mean, yardstick, whatever was near, pull us out of bed, go, go through the garbage, who threw away those mushrooms, go clean the bathroom, who left that seat up in the night, because that's when her rage was exploding in the dark. So night frights are real. I still have, hey, therapy is a good thing. Everybody should try it. I'm not making light of it. Don't be whining on Facebook. Don't be talking to your friends. Talk to a professional. Mm. That has helped me come a long way. But the thing is, is that humor became my escape. So I pretended that Carol Burnett raised me. Carol Burnett had her variety show. And she was raised by her grandparents because her parents were alcoholics. So I would escape and pretend that Carol Burnett raised me. I'm still looking for a phone call from her. I just want eight minutes, Carol. (laughs) And... So she is the one that helped me escape and helped me see the lighter side. Mm. And if we could make mom laugh, not in the moment of a rage, but if we could make her laugh at some point, she wasn't beating us. That worked. You learn that early on. And after a situation in the night, the siblings and I would comfort each other with humor. We would do, um, you know, just goofy jokes, or we would pretend to be somebody like one of mom's parent, one of our parents' friends, swearing mm. Daryl, everything he said was F word. So we would, we would be swearing Daryl and we would talk bad and just say all the naughties. And we would entertain each other to keep each other's spirits up during this really hard time. So when you ask me about school, so I couldn't have friends over because I didn't know which mom she would be because there were light moments. She loved us to play and she loved to cook and she loved these things. And then there was the dark, the beatings, the screaming, the feigning illness. That's just not right. And I left school at 17. I was in, I, I left home at 17. I left school in 10th grade and I took off. I was out of there. So my siblings each dealt with it in their own way. And that was my escape. So really, I've always worked, worked, worked. I didn't have a car. I just left. And I have um, just became this hard worker like my mother was. It's not a surprise to me. But eventually, I got into a singing group. And then they, they offered that this one lady said, there's this improv and comedy troupe you should try out. And I was like, I can sing. I think I'm funny. And I'm thinking about how cool I am. And then she said, yeah, we need another woman. So at that point, I was like, oh, I got girl parts. Let's go. So I did try out, won a spot. And again, later on, I ended up running and owning the troupe. And we did win some local awards and entertain people. So that's my snip book. And that's what's in my book that I was telling you about. It's all in snippets because some of it's the crap that happened, but then there's the light part that happened and the, the back and forth. And the main thing that I learned is boundaries mm-hmm. and that just because it's your family doesn't mean you owe them anything. Mm-hmm. Sorry to say, that's what it is because I had to stop being in touch with my mother at certain times. Mm-hmm. I had to take care of my children and choose that. Mm-hmm. My comedy family was there and that's who I could trust. And that's what improvisation taught me. Trust in a scene. I have your back. I won't let you fail. We're both in this together. There's so many lessons in that Mm. that carry over into the real world. And who's got your back? Mm. Is it your drunken uncle that you're afraid to invite over for Thanksgiving? Or we have to invite him because he's family. Mm. Are you sure? Mm. You get this crappy feeling in your gut when you think about him. Why would you allow them near you? Mm. That's... So the, over years, that's what I decided. I, out of three siblings, I'm only in touch with one, you know, and there's certain friends that come and go. Hmm. So it, it's really a choice. And my life is choices, not excuses. Hmm. And that is when you have gone through hell, you do no longer take things for granted. I think <laughs> that was the biggest lesson for me. I am... I was so selfish in the wrong way when I was drinking. Yet nowadays I am again very selfish, but in a very self-loving and protective way. I make sure that I look after myself. I make sure that when I come home, I get 10 minutes to myself to actually just 
calm down from work and then I'm ready instead of immediately being bombarded with problems that meanwhile have arisen at home whilst I was at work and so things like that so I'll take time out I mean I'm tired I say so I as an example I was quite intrigued because the same thing happened just in the last 24 hours I had planned to compete with my son together in a in a competition in a week's time actually and so we were there and he's he actually pulled out and said look I I don't want to do it I'm actually burned out we've I've trained too hard every single day I'm actually burning out and and I I can't do it look I I don't want to go and initially I was pissed off because I felt let down, etc. But here was this man, a young 18-year-old man, yeah. who had the insight to listen to his body and said, look, Dad, I'm burning out. I don't think I should go. And he had the trust and the guts. He knew that he would hurt me, but at the same token, he was able to put himself in a healthy way first. And I had to sleep on that. And this morning I gave him the hugest hug and, and uh, said, wow, I'm so proud of you that you're able to look after yourself first, that you're able to recognize when enough is enough, that you don't conform to pressure that you somehow put in your own head. No, you can see through the, the fuck of life. Yeah. And it's so beautiful. So. Wow. Exactly. What a powerful thing. And how cool is that? Never, ever forget that. Uh, exactly. Exactly right. Oh, so you God. actually gave me chills in saying mm. that because what a reset you put yourself through and you have the the sense to to not react. But as parents, we want to fix everything. <laughs> oh, you should try. You need to go go do this thing. You know what? That's on us. Once they're 18, you did the exact right thing. Mm. I, I really applaud that. I hope more people mm. can hear this and do that. <laughs> They'll never forget that. True. But it is such a huge learning curve equally for us because yes. I've never been in this situation and or at least not consciously. And here I am and I had to and it was so bizarre because for the last 24 hours, I went through this roller coaster of emotion from, from anger, being betrayed, being all these negative things that immediately come out. And then I thought, huh, actually. And then I was actually really proud, but sad at the same token that right. I was depressed. And, and it was, ah. And why I say that here, guys, is these, these challenges will come Every single day, every single day, there are there are new challenges arising, uh, either from the pandemic or from work or from your from your family. It is what it is, and mm. it is. I so invite you onto Lisa and my path, where we have learned. Through, to go through the dark times and mm -hmm. to develop skills that work for us. And with mm -hmm. that, I don't mean two bottles of vodka down in one. Um, it helps you for, for, I don't know, two hours, three hours. When you're just right, when you're just right listening to that music and being 18 again and forgetting everything, rest assured the problems have not gone away when you wake up no 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 now well, you, you have are... problems and a hangover oh hell yes <laughs> oh exactly 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 and the guilt and the shame and so on and so on and then you have to hide the bottles and then yeah. you probably don't have the money yeah exactly and so on so it is so beautiful lisa to hear you to hear you reliving those dark moments and seeing the positive side that has come out of that nowadays. And I just broke the circle. I did not keep that going with my kids. Mm. And once they were old enough to understand, I let them know there's alcoholism on both sides of their family. Mm. And it, it was, an, it, I mean, they were young, like maybe nine-ish, 10-ish mm. that I told them so. And I wanted them to understand and know that they could come to me and talk to me about it and understand why I don't have a relationship with my mom at times. And I was very, very open about it. Brilliant. And they are young men now. They're they're 23 and 25 and they can go get their own booze all they want. Mm -hmm. And the thing about you talking to your son and about that situation that, that struck me was that you 
had your, you went through the emotions you're going to, but you didn't act on them in the moment. That's huge. And I can't say I'm always engaged in that. I'm working on it. We're all a work in progress. But what that reminded me of as well is how we take and read and absorb a text or an email that is in whatever mood we're in. And how many times is that misconstrued <laughs> that we think, oh, well, I guess she's too busy for me. And really all they were saying was, I'm still interested, but it'll be down the way. I mean, it's, it's the same thing I was connecting to what that's like when it's a text or the written word. You know, if we would all just take a second to just breathe through it, don't respond right away. You don't have to comment on everything on Facebook. <laughs> uh, so true, so true, so true. And maybe from now and then even switch off and even yes. do do actually do whilst this phone is part and parcel of me because I use it so constructively for many reasons. At the same token, I'm so acutely aware of that that I have that bloody thing uh, there. Yes. So therefore to have a hobby where you can't have a phone on you, that is, yeah, probably not a bad idea. Making choices. It's all about choices. I love what you, you said about your son, though. That was a big moment mm. and that wasn't easy, but you, you made the right choice and he'll never forget that. Exactly. And I, um, I'm a little bit proud of myself, I must say. Yeah, now, that now. Means he can come but, to you. Yeah. He can talk to you and not be afraid. Oh, dad's going to blow up. Having said that, let me go back to the time when you were touring. Um, now, the last time I looked... This is a pretty high octane and, and stressful and tiring thing to travel around, travel the whole day and then perform all night. Um, and the last time I looked, there was typically a lot of alcohol involved in such things. Uh, how did it go in your tour? Uh, where was alcohol a temptation to unwind for you? We do have, um, sometimes after a show, we would have a drink, but if we were out and driving, so we would take turns or just not imbibe too heavily at all. Mm. We were more about the food. Nah. <laughs> After performance, you can't eat and go and be, because I'm I'm more of a physical comic. comic. Yeah. I like to, I'll be the one dancing or, or yeah. you're falling down or be on roller skates. I love to be physical. You can't have a full belly and, and do that. So you'd have a little bit of a snack, perform, sweat, change clothes, run, yeah. run, run you're starving. Give uh, me a pizza to myself. Uh, so for us, it was more about the food. It, it definitely wasn't a big party time. In fact, oh. I used to be in a band years ago and, and we were dry. We, we didn't, we didn't, even though we we're playing in a bar, you can't, luckily the people in my band were the same way. I, I drink once in a while, but it wasn't about like some bands you'll see have booze on the stage the whole time. Uh, and I, I don't understand that because I want to be in the moment. I don't want to miss anything. <laughs> I know I, I remember many, many concerts I went to uh, in the 80s, 90s, where uh, the Pokes were the classic. The Pokes, an Irish uh, punk rock band, and the singer came on with a whole bottle of whiskey. And by the time the two thirds into the show, the whiskey was gone. Um, wow, and, no way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, needless to say, I mean, I couldn't understand him to start off singing because he had this, <laughs> this Irish twang to it. Uh, but certainly I couldn't understand him two thirds into the, the, the show. Um, so here you go. This was different times and different attitudes. I guess in the 80s, uh, which were sort of my, I guess, uh, developing years, um, alcohol was such an integral, integral part of society in Germany. Yes. Uh, all my, my heroes in the films were drunk down and out kind of anti-heroes, the Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapon and, and, and uh, Bruce Willis, you know, Alcohol was mm -hmm. part and parcel of it. So, damn, damn. And I'm really pleased to hear that you were not drawn into that. Because it, amazingly, many of my guests, whilst they have got a strong background with their families, that their mm -hmm. parents were raging alcoholics, they then dropped into the same trap. And it yes. was, it is so, so interesting that it just, the story keeps reappearing and reappearing until yeah. someone takes the screwdriver to the vinyl and actually says, nah, I will <laughs> not do the same song again. Enough is enough. Oh, okay. I've never heard that saying. Is that a, 
Is that an original? I, I don't know. It's just, I just, wow. I just thought about it. It is, it is. I felt that. That was uh, bad. Yeah, well, exactly. No, the, the point is you need to change. And right. because you need to focus on what is important to you and what is, what makes you stronger, not destroys yes. you. Um, and it's choices. And, you know, nobody's going to do it for you. What are you waiting for? We get one spin on this big round rock. And yes, I think it's round. So fight me on it. You get one spin, man. I don't know what you think happens after. We exactly. don't know. So you do know you have today. Yeah. You do know that you have a book in you. You Absolutely. do know that you don't have to have initials after your name to write your book, to share your story. Why should I share my story? Because we are connected through storytelling. Mm. because you matter, because it's an accomplishment. You know, that's one of the things I talk to people about. Well, I don't know if I should write it. Really? So write it. Do you hurt anybody by, you know, I just, I self-published my book and I, it's out there and it, it mm. can be done. It's just one of those things that people hesitate on. Okay. So keep waiting. How's that serving you? Exactly. Exactly right. Yeah. And if a life is worth living, it's worth writing down. It's worth documenting and this is so important no i we agree connect through stories now i'm Absolutely. not saying I, I i didn't drink when i was a kid because yeah. of course i did it was all over the place we all have that one alcohol that we can say and we kind of go Ooh. yeah i got very ill so i was drinking by the time i was 13 14 somewhere in there you too. Okay. So is that, it was just prevalent at your home? Is that how it started for you? No, at home. On the contrary. I said, hey, I, I want to feel how it is when you're drunk. And my my mom said, okay, here's this whiskey. Go for it. And um, she had the bucket next to it. And she said, sort of, you know, see how it feels like for you. And I got drunk and I got so sick. And to this day, whiskey is not my friend because the sheer, the sheer smell of it. Yes. Oh, yep. <laughs> there you go. You just shuddered. <laughs> oh, and it is, yeah. But having said that, did that ever stop me then? Did that ever stop me now? No, because alcohol serves its purpose. And especially in someone like me who was insecure, who was shy deep inside, who was... Um, who had no skills, no life skills that would give him or give myself the, the backbone, the guts, the balls to actually stand up for myself and to be myself. No, I always wanted to be someone else. I always wanted to, I don't know. I was, I was just not a mature person until I started growing up and at forties, yeah. Um, then nowadays I can look in the mirror and say, Hey, I like you. No, I love you. Um, nice. And you really wink at yourself like that? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no, no, the sad thing is I did that when I was younger uh, and it was all the, the bullshit macho crap. And uh, so no, 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 that doesn't go down anymore because it reminds me too much of the other, the other me that I was in the past. It was all, it was all facade. It was all mask. Yes. And That's it just, it. oh, God, no, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> and that's where I am the embarrassing that nowadays, because I don't give a toss how I look, how I, uh, you know, certain things just run off me like water of a, of a duck's back. And mm -hmm. it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, beautiful. And my kids would be embarrassed. And, and just, <laughs> Dad, you're in your underwear. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's 32 degrees out there. What do you think? Yeah, yeah but, but the curtains are drawn. People could yeah. see you. And my I look house, out there baby. and there is so much greenery and shrubbery out there, unless they have got a bloody good binoculars. Uh, <laughs> and even then they can go jump. And, uh, uh, but, but <laughs> it's that it's kind my of a house. Thing. That's right. It's kind of a thing, kind of a thing. So it is, I wouldn't have it any other way, but no. hell, hell, I had to go through hell and back before I now can true hand on my heart say, I don't give a toss about these masks anymore. No. And what you see is what you get kind of thing. Can you imagine if we had that attitude when we were in our twenties, if we had been, you can't tell a 20 year old. And, and a human doesn't even have their fully mature brain until 25. Correct. Correct. You can't tell them. 
Wouldn't tell a, me. Yeah. Oh, true. True, true, true. It's so what sad. would you tell your 20-year-old self, knowing what you know? I've been thinking hard about that for a while because I wanted to condense it down to one sentence and I can't. So if you have got three hours, let's talk. Um, but in a, <laughs> in a nutshell, be bold and stop taking yourself so serious. Um, mm -hmm. Learn to relax, learn mm -hmm. to relax, learn to unwind and make mistakes until your, your lips bleed, until, until, you know, because the more mistakes you can make, and laugh about them and learn from them, the better you get, because you've figured out what does not work, which is fantastic. Now you can move on, try what works. And you, the point you made about the creativity is so important. Make your own mistakes and learn from them and learn, learn from them in a safe environment. But do make mistakes. The more, wow. the better. That's I what I would that. say. I love that. Mm. Yes. Because we're taught so early that a mistake is bad and you better fix it. You better hide it. You better make it right. Mm -hmm. You know what? It's so much, it, it's so much better to, um, and something my boss says is an ugly lie is better than a pretty excuse. So if you've done <laughs> something, you come to somebody and say, I just scratched your car or oops, your cat is dead. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> But it was a nice curry, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> oh, stop it. Oh, that took me a second. <laughs> so, you know, if you own your mistake, that's how you, then what are you going to do? You're sorry. Mm. I screwed up. Now what? But you get, you get twisted in the cover up and mm. what are you going to do? Lie the rest of your life on this one thing? No, 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 no. Yeah. No. I mean, that's the principle of ownership. The principle yes. of extreme ownership. Choco Willink, um, uh, U.S. Navy SEAL, uh, wrote this book, and and he lives by this mantra of extreme ownership of basically integrity of doing the right thing when no one is looking, but of whatever happens, you take ownership in the sense of how did you contribute to that was there um it's ultimately whatever happens is is your is your uh, your story because if someone didn't do his job then did you teach him enough did you provide him with the right tools to do the job etc if your boss screws up well did you give your boss the right information that he can act with etc so to actually take yourself uh, to see yourself as part of life as part of things um, that is such a beautiful concept and for me it's such a beautiful concept because i was the guy who was always blaming others and that's what you do as an alcoholic Look mm, what right. you did to me. Ha. I drink two bottles of whiskey now. Ha ha. I show you. And it's <laughs> that kind of attitude. Okay. <laughs> oh, the resentment, the anger. Uh, that was me. And to actually then do step four uh, in, in the AA kind of system, in the 12 step program, where you take a careful inventory and an in depth inventory of everything that has been occurring and then add the other, the last column to it and where you say well okay all that happened i hate him i resent him because of that that's how he made me feel and then the next bit is a bit down the line you actually come back to that and say well actually how did i contribute to that story what was my part to that story mm -hmm. suddenly you have to say damn and that's exactly what extreme ownership is to actually yes. own up that you're part of life and that yeah. you are you know, you're, it takes two to tango. So. Sure. <laughs> even in a car crash, if your car is hit, even though it was only parked, you're what, 10% responsible because you exist? There's some sort of stat <laughs> like that. I exist, so I'm partly responsible, even though I parked where I was supposed to park. <laughs> I'm not sure that I go this far in my extreme ownership. <laughs> I'm talking but. extreme. <laughs> oh, good idea. Good idea. <laughs> oh damn, Lisa! It is you're so right. There's there's so much we can learn from from 
comedy, from improv. But I think your your story is just so beautiful because it is a story of trauma. It is a story of hardship. It is a story of of you finding yourself again and again through comedy in a better state. You mm -hmm. change your state from giving putting a smile onto your sibling's face after a night event to nowadays uh, putting a smile onto a, a, a colleague's face um, and and making them crack up. Yes. Uh, that is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. But I, I just want to commend you. I want to say, wow. Um, the, that you found this ability and that you found the ability to heal yourself in the process is so fantastic. Thank but, you. I, I still have therapy, so I, I will never say I did it myself, but <laughs> it, but I made the right choices. Hmm. Choice, choice, choice. And I still embarrass my kids, but yes, I, I find the connection through humor and, and I really love my work in being a creative partner with businesses and people hmm. because I love stories and I get to learn somebody else's story. And that is how we are connected. That and humor, it all comes in and no harm. We just learn from each other. If I give you an idea, you give me an idea. We each have two ideas and that's the way it should be. And what typically happens is these ideas start bouncing. And two people like us today, so this 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 interview was beautiful, bouncing like a like a tennis ball back and forth, back and forth, and uh, creating new thoughts. So you say something, I thought about something, etc. What a creative duo we have been here today. Imagine that we would do the same with other problems that we are facing in work, that we are facing in relationships that we're yes. facing, you know, intergenerational between children and, and grown-ups. And actually put things on the table mm -hmm. and say, you know, be honest, be and love about it and, and say, yesterday, you know, when I when I said that, I was such an idiot. I'm 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 so sorry. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing when I see when I say this to my children. And they look at me, and sometimes there's this kind of, what do you want to say <laughs> with that? Yeah. Well, yeah, right. that's right. But I'm sure there's something negative that you want to blame <laughs> me with it. And I said, no, 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 I've, I've been a dick. I've been, the way I responded was stupid because I was, I was hungry, angry. I was wound up from work, and I completely misread what you actually wanted to tell me. Huh. And it's that kind of, Ha! Huh. A moment that I wouldn't want to miss because that is so beautiful. And look what you're teaching them just by showing them. Yeah. And I have stepsons, and that is something they didn't have before. Mm. And I do that. And I don't know if there's a coincidence because of the alcoholic background or something, mm. or living with alcoholism. You know, nature, nurture. Mm. But that is something in my repertoire as well. I own it. Yeah, I could have done better. You know what? I didn't mean to hurt your feelings and I am sorry. And there's an art to an apology instead of going, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for hurting your feelings when I should have just had a Snickers bar and let's go forward. That also opens up the door for a family or whoever to do the same for you. I love that you brought that up. That is huge. The art of apology and owning it. Where can you go from there? How can they be mad at you? Exactly. I mean, they can, but we all, <laughs> instead of deflecting, you just own it and say, yeah, that sucks. Let's cool down. And the show was uh, sponsored by Snickers. <laughs> stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop and it. colonoscopies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> Look, it is time in this show to quickly show our books. Bring your book forward. Bring oh. your book. That's right. So that we can see it better. You Here's my journal that I publish locally, and it's called What Ifs and Why Nots. Ah. It's creative cues to help you get unstuck with ideas. And I'll be writing a business book as well with tips for nice. how I use my background. And then I've got Laughs on Rye, an improviser's memoir. So a life made of choices and finding humor through childhood abuse, failed marriages, and other hurdles. And in it, you will find my project in bravery well, where I 
do serious selfies with strangers. Not only do I get to ask a stranger for a photo, <laughs> but I ask them to not smile, <laughs> which makes you laugh. Picture being somewhere where you're not supposed to laugh and you're out to eat and you ask this table next to you, hey, can we do a serious selfie? Look at him. <laughs> I I hate that. My boys are doing that all the time. I These cannot are my get friends them. now. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So dare yourself daily. Do silly stuff because it's a connector and you never know. It might be your next new best friend. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And that is that is the amazing thing for us here connecting today on the show. I yes. we already have such a cool we had such a cool hour. Um, yes. So please, we will stay in touch. There's probably very little doubt about that. And yes. it it came out of the blue. We just happened to have the same interest, and I happened to have a show, and you happened to be a guest. Um, yes. And suddenly we know each other. So guys out there often enough this world especially nowadays can be quite a, a lonesome and, and and scary place um what was to happen if you just make that initial step and and putting yourself out there maybe in a in a discussion forum maybe via a zoom talk maybe via if you if you're if you're dealing with addiction yourself why not listening into a to an AA Zoom meeting or or there are many other smart recovery, etc. There are many, many other things. Why not make that first little step? What could right. possibly go wrong? No judgment. In, exactly. No one's perfect. Exactly. And human connection can be mm. so powerful and healing. Man, yeah. it is somebody figured out to put peanut butter and jelly together. So <laughs> You put two people together, something, some sandwich is going to come out of it. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. I got all the wrong, wrong, wrong bad jokes not coming into my, my, my mind. I keep trying uh, to get it out of you, but okay. No, 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 no. I tried to be, I tried to be, you know, the responsible host, uh, mm -hmm. not going too, too dark and too quick, you know, uh, <laughs> because, you know, it is, you're just, the, the problem, of course, is when you're putting yourself out there, it's, we call it tall poppy syndrome in New Zealand. Um, it is people, people don't like you to be successful. People don't like you to be out there, outspoken, etc. That makes you a target, inevitably. Hmm. And it is a dead skill of, of trying not to make yourself too much of a target. Okay, so um, I was very tempted to come out. I mean, the cat <laughs> joke, for Christ's sake. Um, so, you know, I will now get SPCA uh, immediately. No, what a what a, what a a show, how dare he? And that's right. So, and and I, I said something about gay, about a gay routine. Oh my God, the LGBT. Look at you beating yourself up, uh, just so, bringing attention back to it. That's, oh, that's right, idea. that's right. Bad technique, bad technique. But I guess I want, I want to say, that I want to say that because I was a guest on a show and I made I that's right I called myself an emotional retard when I was oh. drinking and the host squirmed and I want to very quickly highlight that this show uh supports all uh people oh, of, no. of of uh of you know uh I don't know even what now the right words are to be used but it was so bad because I think we need to, to we need to be careful that we include all the page, all the people in our society, mm -hmm. uh, treat them all right. It uh, doesn't matter color skin, whatever, right. uh, religion, bring them all together, but have a love about each other, about, mm. about ourselves. Don't take ourselves so seriously. And, and we need to be politically incorrect. We need to love about ourselves. Okay. Then we can address the real problems rather than putting little rainbows onto our Facebook picture and then do fuck all else. No, yes, actually. Well okay. said. Exactly. Yes. So have the hard discussions around the dinner table. That's more important than the rainbow on your picture. Okay. Yes. So beautifully no. said. That is, that is a gem. That is a gem. Cool. Lisa, I'm so grateful that you have been a guest on my show. Life is too short and to speak to someone who truly, truly appreciates uh, the 
uh, importance of comedy and teaches other others to live a more beautiful life uh, that is so much more fulfilling and and making them change and experiencing the the ball of energy that you experience when you're on stage right when you're you said yourself you're you're that bouncing around comedian same here same here once i get into this 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 groove ah oh, i love it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Guys, this is not show here. This is not show. What we are doing is we are changing our state and we are we are actually living this passion and we're yes. living it to the fullest. So guys, what stops you? Mm. Right? What can you do? What's that next little step that you can do to come onto the same journey as we did? We were in dark places and yeah. we are coming out now and we're changing and becoming better and better and better in what we're doing. And so guys, big invitation from Lisa and me, share this journey with us. Yes. And indeed, Lisa, if, if people, if your story resonates with them, how can they find you? Yes, and seek the punchlines, not the headlines. That's what I wanna say. <laughs> nice one. Yeah, find me on Facebook, Lisa David Olson. And I also have a comedy page on Facebook called Counterclockwise. And in three short months, I've already got over 2,000 people because we all want to laugh and we all want to just share in the joy. So join me over there. Uh, I'm looking for my TED Talk. So maybe you'll see me on that soon. Nice, and nice. Instagram. So Lisa David Olson. And I have a comedy album out. It's all telemarketer calls and how I messed with them and did not let them get to their sales pitch. And Excellent. that's called Fun on the Phone on iTunes. So fun is P-H-U-N on the phone. Or just reach out. I'll connect you. Perfect. Oh, my podcast is Stranger Connections. Stranger Connections, where I, I invite the wonderfully weird and the quirky life stories. So everybody's got to be a weirdo. So send me your weirdos. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. I need to check you out. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, you do. Lisa, thank you so much for being a guest on my show. You were a thank spark you. of light uh, into my morning. How better to start my morning? We are now friends. <laughs> and I am honored to say that. Okay. Thank you, sir. And you guys out there, look after yourself. Okay. And what is right now something you can do to make your life better. Maybe have a glass of water, maybe eat something healthy. You're just having a sandwich, put that that leaf of lettuce in there. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. You know, and these are little steps. Now imagine where you could go if you keep repeating and repeating and repeating. Compound interest, guys. Look after yourself. Bye. <laughs>